COVID started back in March and workplaces around the world had to become virtual, leaders from every corner of the workforce asked themselves one question, do we have the right tools to be successful communicators? But our guest today is someone who knows that this question isn't the most important thing leaders of today need to be asking. Because ultimately, the tool we use to communicate is irrelevant. What's important is the skills that the person using that tool brings to the table. Hi, me, be quiet. Here to talk about how we can be great communicators who knows how to successfully connect with our teams, both virtually and in person, is Tabari Baker, PhD. Tabari is a very intentional communicator, scholar, and leader in the healthcare industry. He's the Scientific Affairs Manager at Roche Diagnostics Corp., an innovative healthcare company that focuses on creating personalized healthcare treatments to help millions of patients across the globe. Tabari is also an accomplished PhD who received his Doctor of Philosophy in Tumor Biology from Georgetown, currently using his education and expertise to help eradicate health disparities and homelessness in Washington, D.C. We're excited to have such an innovative, selfless, and knowledgeable leader here to chat with us today. So please, welcome Dr. Tabari Baker. So Tabari, I got, I got a question just to kick us off. And I know that you know your background as the scientific affairs manager at Roche um, has you doing a bunch of stuff. But how has work been changing uh, and, and how do you see it changing uh, from, from your seat at Roche? Yeah, thank you, Sam. That's a great question. Uh, one of the things that we have learned very early on in, in this kind of pandemic period is that we don't have to be face-to-face to be effective. Uh, we've always thought that we did. We always thought that it was important to, to look a pathologist in the eye uh, and tell them about uh, our assays. But what we found is that we can be equally as effective in doing webinars and providing content in different ways. And that agility that we have found during this pandemic is uh, been freeing, actually, and it allows uh, for the democratization of our educational content. So uh, I've been really excited, uh, even though I've been exhausted because I have kids and been trying to multitask on a daily basis. Uh, but I've been excited about the possibilities uh, post-pandemic of what we will be able to do uh, as a medical and scientific affairs team. So many people talk about Zoom fatigue, and you know, uh, what, what do you say to that? I mean, is there are there something specific? Is there a way to communicate currently that you're finding and using digital and video technology? Is there a way that you're going about it that you feel um, others could learn from? Like, what, what do you think the keys are to doing it effectively? Yeah, I think one is getting trained. Honestly. Uh, our team recognized that this was going to uh, change how we operate. So we brought in a trainer to teach us how to better use Zoom, which doesn't just mean how to click through the app necessarily, but it means how you present in an effective way. Uh, one of the things that I, would, I liked and I remember from that training was that remember that this tool is only for communication at the end of the day. And that communication requires one big thing and that's psychological safety. And so that psychological safety, you have to uh, 
be able to convey via digital, which is a little bit more challenging than doing it face to face. And so what we learned in that training is that remembering that everyone wants to feel like they are valued, everyone in communication wants to feel like they're heard. And you have to make sure that you are presenting that even in this virtual environment. Sure. I think there's a there's a Gallup study that came out. This is pre-pandemic, which uh, I can only imagine what it is now, but it, it was a study focused on employee engagement mm -hmm. and workforce engagement as a whole. And it made the point that only 15% of the global workforce is, quote, engaged uh, at work. Uh, the study was really powerful. The, the challenge in it is the word engage, you know, employee engagement is a really tough, um, you know, descriptor to visualize and wrap your head around. When, when you think about how do you properly engage folks uh, today, what are the things that if you're talking to a worker out there that's listening, who's trying to figure out how they skill up, level up, or to your point, do a better job communicating, uh, what do you say to them about how to become uh, a better um a better communicator to ensure that engagement is occurring uh, in, in their, uh, in their workday. Yeah, we have thought a lot about engagement uh, just because our role is to engage uh, with uh, healthcare professionals. And, and once again, it, it's challenging during this environment because the face-to-face -face seems to be the gold standard. But what I would say to those who are uh, struggling with engagement, particularly in this virtual environment, is that one, uh, recall that you have a personality and it's okay to, to be personable in your communication style, uh, especially in this, uh, this virtual environment, it's almost uh, essential because uh, if I remember correctly, uh, some of my statistics, um, the average fruit fly has about an eight second uh, attention span. And that is the exact same attention span for a human when they're sitting on a, on a virtual call. So your goal is to ensure that every eight seconds or so that you are providing a reason to, for the listener to give attention to you. And so what I try to do uh, personally is there's lots of voice inflection. There's, there's gesturing uh, during a Zoom call. Uh, and, and that seems to help with engaging uh, at least the, those that I talk to uh, on these virtual calls. Now, from an employee engagement perspective, uh, meaning internal, um, we have also struggled with the closeness of our team just because we're not once again uh, in face-to-face -face contact. So what we have started doing are things like uh, virtual happy hours, giving our team the opportunity to be together on a Zoom call that's not really a Zoom call. It's just an open forum. So uh, we've had fun uh, engaging things. We've played games together. Uh, we've done trivia. Uh, we've played a game called Mafia uh, virtually uh, just to ensure those connections. And I think that uh, 
once again, my, my real driving home point is that communication is about connection and ensuring that you're connecting with everyone. And games are pretty cool. I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to jump on that one, but you know, I think I, that's, that's pretty, <laughs> that was next. Games sound like a pretty, <laughs> that was games next. Sound pretty cool. <laughs> um, well, you know, I think what I've always admired and just got a, you know, full transparency, you know, known Tavari for, for a, a bit of time now. And I think the one thing I've always admired about you is uh, your uh, thoughtfulness around connection and communication and that's kind of what, you know, I've been excited to talk to you about, because I think that is something that today, you know, just because you have new technology available, doesn't mean you necessarily know to use it correctly. And I think that, yeah, you know, you see, I see a lot of younger workers and even managers struggling to figure out which technology to use in a moment. And it just feels like the stack of technology is just getting bigger and bigger and just knowing when to deploy you know, whether it's a, a Zoom and you turn the, your video on or you're doing a phone call or you're texting or you're emailing or you're slacking or you're Microsoft Teamsing. You know, it's just like there's so many different ways to try to connect. Uh, but the thoughtfulness component is so critical, right? Yeah, I think that's the most important part. I think the tool is almost irrelevant. Um, Ace hardware sales hammers, Home Depot sales hammers, uh, Lowe's sales hammers. Uh, your local corner store probably has hammers. Uh, all of them will get the nail driven in. However, uh, the, the skill is in the person who's using the hammer. And so I think that what employees and, and people like me in roles that used to be kind of field-based and now are home-based, uh, we have to learn how to just be the communicator first and whichever tool that you end up communicating through uh, becomes irrelevant. I have to ask you this question because I think it's given your, your, your background in the healthcare industry, as you look at, uh, again, you've probably had all types of conversations with folks and friends uh, as we've been going through the pandemic uh, about how to react and how to stay safe and how to protect yourself but I want to ask you a question more from as a leader. Like, what do you think leaders should be doing today uh, in addressing and uh, handling the the sort of new world that we're moving into? What what do you what do you wish or hope that managers or leaders can do a better job at with the way that they are um, again tackling this kind of new work environment that uh, has emerged or and might be here a lot longer than some may think. Yeah, that's a, a challenging question, Sam, uh, because we're all in this in this new world and we're all trying to figure out which way is up and which way is forward. Uh, I think that what I have seen from my leadership, which I can applaud, uh, is transparency. And I think that what people need in times of uncertainty is just that transparency. Um, and in that transparency, you get the vulnerability of the leaders. Um, and that is really crucial for those like me who are kind of down the line uh, in really believing that uh, one, we will get out of this just fine. Uh, two, I feel safe in my environment. So the two things I look for are really transparency from our leadership 
in vulnerability. Uh, it's not required to know all the answers necessarily, but what is required is that we see that uh, there is a path forward that you can envision and being able to communicate that through that transparency and vulnerability, I think are most helpful. That's great. Yeah, I think it, you know, the point you just made about, you might not have all the right, all, all the answers. I think that's a that's um, being able to, uh, to share that and communicate that with your team is so important. I got one final question for you. And I think it's, 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 um, it's one that, uh, again, I've, I've watched from afar, seen how you interact, um, your nonprofit work, you know, today more than ever, there's, uh, all types of, um, there's, there's no lack of work that are on all of our plates and work has become around the clock for so many. You know, I just want to ask like, why, you know, you do, you do some really cool stuff in the nonprofit side in DC. Like, I guess, why do you do it? Yeah. Uh, honestly, Sam, I do the nonprofit work, which I sometimes call the most important work that I do all day because I believe that health disparities should be eradicated. And Community of Hope is, who is a nonprofit uh, where I serve, they are intentional about trying to eradicate, eradicate the barriers uh, to both healthcare and housing instability. And so in that volunteer work, I am excited because I get to see how changing healthcare affects not only uh, those who, who can't afford uh, all of the bells and whistles that come with great healthcare, uh, I also get to try to give those same bells and whistles to those uh, who may be in a situation that they need a little, little assistance uh, with getting that same quality of healthcare. That work for me really marries kind of, or I'll say it this way, that work for me really speaks to the core of who I am as a scientist uh, and uh, as a person. And I'm really excited uh, to be able to help with that. Yeah, it's really powerful. I and mean, I appreciate the, the work you do. And uh, thanks for taking time for the podcast. Yeah, thanks, Sam. Uh, I hope uh, that, uh, to hear more about uh, how uh, how gaming is going to move into uh, the, the lexicon of the future. So awesome. Thank you. One thing Tabari said that I think is really important for all of us to remember is that the agility we have found during this pandemic has been freeing. I thought that was pretty awesome uh, from Tabari. And if we've learned one thing from COVID, about how to improve our workplaces. I think it should be people not only want, but need workplace flexibility. 94% of workers today say that one of the top benefits they want in their job is workplace flexibility. And, you know, if, if employers don't take that seriously, there's real consequences. I mean, just look at the September jobs report that came out. Over 800, over 865,000 women left their jobs in September because they weren't given the flexibility to balance both work and home responsibilities. So they left the workforce altogether. Now at One Huddle, part of our mission's always been to give workers the freedom to upskill and reskill anytime, anywhere. Uh, I believe, and 
our entire family believes that technology is a great tool for helping increase flexibility and companies, they need to invest now in these tools and specifically the tools that's going to allow their employees to have that flexibility during the pandemic and after it's, it's all done and gone. Because like Tabari said, that agility and flexibility is freeing. If we want to help vulnerable workers and women who have dropped out of the workforce during COVID, we have to give people the resources and tools they need that will create the kind of flexibility Tabari talked about so that every worker who wants to participate in our workforce has the freedom to do so. So thank you for joining us, Tabari. It was great to have you on the pod. Don't forget to subscribe to Bring It In and check back soon for new episodes with some really amazing guests you don't want to miss. Now, back to work. Back to work.